Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting equipment, and we got a great show for you all today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode, and I was joined by the big guy, Chris Wiest. Chris is located in South Central PA and had a crazy amazing fun year last year connecting on four different bucks in three different states when i listened to chris on other podcasts i knew immediately that i needed to get him on the show to discuss some whitetail stuff not only to learn but just dude just seems like he's cut from the same cloth and i needed to get him on to talk some whitetail so this episode kind of wraps up the mini series that i've kind of did for the month of july in what our guests are up to now doing now to lead up to the season so Chris was able to get ahead in the game, so to speak. So it was interesting to hear how he tackles scouting multiple states for the quest to continue his whitetail success from this for this upcoming year. We get an introduction to Chris and really how his postseason panned out for him from turkey hunting and scouting in Maryland, uh, gaining access to a new property in West Virginia, scouting his camp in Ohio, and continue really widening the net here in Pennsylvania. And we hear Chris get into his plans and a whole lot more. One of these areas that Chris is focusing heavily on is improving his trad bow skills because this year he is all in on the style of hunting. He's dabbled on it, it with it before, but right now he's all in. So when it comes to the mental preparation and technique stuff, Chris walks us through his training scenarios. And following this discussion, we get into the really good stuff. We hear how he is fine-tuning, connecting the dots, wind mapping in older and new areas, setting his expectations for summer cameras, and really how he strategizes specific scrapes and what he is specifically looking for in scrapes. And if you've been a continued listener to the podcast, you know I freaking love this stuff. So we hear stories about specific hunts, deer, and a whole lot more from Chris during this episode. So check it out. Let us know what you think. Enjoy this fun episode. Chris, thanks again for coming on, dude. Hope you and your family enjoy it. See you next week, everybody. Antler up. All right, everybody, before we get into this episode, I want to give you a quick recap of my scouting trip to Ohio last week. Me, Tim, and Tom, we took a trip out there. We did kind of like a half day scouting on Monday and then a full day on Tuesday. Really enjoyed ourselves, had some great laughs, some great food. And, you know, we got into some stuff and to check things out, we're, Tim and I are really excited to get in there this upcoming fall. So we're looking forward to that. 
So we'll dive into the talk a little bit about that on a future episode with the three of us. But in the meantime, if you're liking what you're hearing on the podcast, I want you to go over to either iTunes or Spotify. Go leave that review. If it's on iTunes, make sure you not only give that star review, but also go ahead and write something up. It's better for me to get some feedback from you as the listener. And those of you that are reaching out to me through Instagram, through email, man, thank you so, so much. I really uh, man, it's hitting hard and, and it's pulling on the heartstrings a little bit and I appreciate it so, so much. So just want to say thank you for, for all of you that can, are continuing doing that. It really means a lot. Enjoy this episode. Chris is a great dude. I'm looking forward to having him on again. Uh, you could tell the dude loves scrapes just as much as I do or even more. So I'm looking forward to dissecting this again in a future ep- episode with him. So enjoy it. Thanks again, everybody. Antler up. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. And a special code is made for our listeners of the Antler Up podcast for America's Best Bowstrings. Use code ANTLERUP and you will save $10 off your order. All right, everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to the show this week. I'm joined by PA Native. We got Chris Weist on the side of the uh, computer. Chris, man, I appreciate you coming on the show, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here, man. Oh, man, I'm pumped for you. So here's here's a question for you. I grew up in Northeastern PA. I played ball with a, a Timmy Weist. Any relation? Probably not. <laughs> I, there's there's a lot of wastes down here. And, Is uh, there? Uh, right, yeah, right in this area. There's a few connections, but outside of that, there's a lot of wastes that I've never heard of before. So yeah, he was a good ball player. He was he was a really good ball player. Good pitcher. Played the played defense well. Could hit a little bit, but uh, good. Yeah, he was a good dude. A good teammate and everything like that. But um, yeah, dude. How about uh, we just this will air a little bit later, either in in late July or or early August. So by the time this airs, this little conversation really will have nothing to do with it. But how many hot dogs are you eating on the, uh, 4th of July hot dog eating contest? What, 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 what would be your number? <laughs> oh, man. Hopefully, hopefully none. I'm a hamburger guy. <laughs> <laughs> hot dogs don't do it for me. <laughs> oh man. Those Nathan hot dog eating contests. It's funny. Just, you know, it's so bad where like when base, like, cause really the only sport that's in right now is, is what major league baseball and you know ESPN has to cover to uh, Nathan's hot dog eating contest. And it's like, man, these, I don't know how these men and women do it. It's friggin' nuts. I'd be thrown up. <laughs> I can't stand watching those guys start those things. Oh, out chasing with water. Oh, chasing. It's will, awful. And just the way they're like chewing it just, yeah, I'm like turn off next thing. But all right, Chris. <laughs> so for those of you uh, listening that really haven't heard Chris before, Really good dude. I've listened to him on podcasts from the Exodus guys on Bo Martonics Eats Meets East Meets West podcast. Um, had a phenomenal year last year, killing 
four bucks, three different states, kind of all four different tactics. Uh, so if you're really inter- interested in how Chris went about doing that, he did a phenomenal job on Bo's podcast, which I believe aired uh, in February time frame. So please go give that one a listen. Uh, I found it really informative. I found it really interesting, Chris. And we'll touch upon certain things, I think, uh, like, you could bring back from that. Um, but really what I want you to go and talk about for this episode is, you know, we're, we're in the dog days of summer. Now we all are preparing for the upcoming season, especially you, because I believe, and you could, you know, knock me upside the head if I'm wrong, you're going full trad this year. So obviously you're doing a little bit more when it comes into gear relating, uh, gear relation type stuff. And we could talk about that as well, but, you know, before we dive into like your whitetail checklist of what we want to talk about, I guess just give everybody just a quick elevator speech of like, you know, where you're coming from real quick. And then, um, you know, I guess too, like how was your, your spring a little bit? Yeah. So I'm from uh, West Central Pennsylvania. And as far as my spring went out, a really good spring, uh, had a good turkey season for sure. There seems like there's a lot of birds this year, a lot of two year olds. Um, uh, I tagged out on two birds in PA, tagged out in Maryland, and then as well as my dad. My dad tagged out, and then my fiance also shot a bird here, so we all did really good this spring. It seems like I heard uh, from a lot of guys that did really good this spring, except there's a lot of birds here. Yeah, we had a really good spring with a, as far as like seeing numbers. Like I said, I made the mistake of not getting that second tag, but I did not make that mistake for this upcoming year because I already purchased that extra spring gobbler tag. So <laughs> it, it was a good year. So now with your Maryland tag, because I know we've chatted like through message and everything like that about potentially hunting, like for me, potentially hunting Maryland this upcoming year with some friends and stuff. Do you get one tag for turkey? Do you get two tags? Just because that, that's something new for, for me. Yeah, you'll get two tags. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yep. Nice. Now, do you usually hunt that same area with whitetail for turkey? That way you can get some scouting in as well? Uh, It's the same general area, but not the same spot. Yeah, it seems like uh, the spot where I do most of my bow hunting at, there's not so many turkeys, so I move a couple of miles down the road. Yeah. So how's the uh, whole uh, trad bow stuff going for you? Because I know you've already been dabbling in it, so it's not necessarily <clears> something <throat> brand spanking new for you it's just a um kind of mm-hmm. from what i guess i could hear you speak on other podcasts is it, this is a true endeavor of you know you want to stick to it basically yeah no i love it yeah i love it i shoot every single day it's it's just a just a challenge you know yep yeah it's you don't i don't think you shoot the same every day like you do a compound you know you shoot your compound and you go out and you kind of have your pins dialed and as long as your forms and check you're good but the trad bow it's an everyday uh make sure all your cues are uh, on point to, to make a good shot with a trad bow when they call it the struggle stick they really mean that don't they oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um, i gotta find that range you're good in oh man i i just i i commend you for it because you know i you still certain people battle with demons of, of shooting a compound bow and i know in the heat of a moment that's where i think like last night before going to bed that was the one aspect I was like, I'm counting how many years missed opportunities where it's like, damn it. Like I didn't capitalize on that. And I, you know, obviously it keeps you coming back and wanting to get better and put forth the, you know, that, uh, the step forward to achieve, obviously, you know, calming yourself down in those heat of the moments. And I've talked about it countless of times. And 
like last year, I didn't have that opportunity to actually uh, release that arrow. But every time that I drew back on on the, an opportunity, I felt pretty calm, cool, and collected. So I was I'm hoping in that mind state of I would I'm progressing, I guess. But man, there was a stretch where it's like I almost like wanted to give up hunting just because when I was you know when I got back into it in my mid twenties, basically from uh, when life slowed down for me, I went like two years in a row where I just like shot under a buck and like close distance. I just remember just being like, what in the hell am I doing wrong? And then it was obviously, I really hammered my technique down all summer, getting up in a tree, shooting at that distance, um, shooting uh, different scenarios and different angles, like shooting with my dad. So he would be on the ground and would move like the deer target. So I would have different like ranges, different angles, uh, quartering to, quartering away and how important that was. And then the next year that for that upcoming year, like I killed my buck, I went through my checklist and I'm not sure, like I know a lot of people will sit there and say, and I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'll get up in a tree a couple times in the summer, practice that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm good. But to go back to actually doing what I did that summer, I haven't done that again. And I feel like I, it, it's good not only for me, but it's good for everybody to try those different scenarios just because you've already done it basically. Is that something like you're doing now? Cause I've seen you what the other day going, getting up in, in your saddle, trying with your trad bow, like doing all that t- type of stuff right now as well. Yeah. So I try not to shoot, uh, if we're talking about as far as uh, shooting practice, mm-hmm. I try not to shoot in the same spot every day. Okay. So uh, what, I, what I found uh, when I first started with my trad bow is I was really good at shooting my bag in my backyard, mm-hmm. but I shot at the same spot every day. And then I would go to a 3D shoot and I would shoot terrible. Okay. And I'm like, man, I really, I really need to switch things up and be in a different position in a different situation shooting my bow. So now I have a bag target and we have round bales up here above my house uh, from this summer making hay. And I'll go and I'll, I'll go up and just pick a spot and shoot at that. And then yesterday I was up on my saddle shooting out of the tree, getting used to that. And I'll probably do a lot more of that here, uh, uh, here on out towards season. I'll be shooting out of a tree trying to uh, manipulate all those different shot angles. That's awesome, man. That's good. And like I said, I, I guarantee you once the season rolls around, uh, I've done this already. I feel comfortable in any situation yeah. you're, you're going to be able to overcome and, and, and get it done. So, all right, Chris, well, let's, let's dive into a little bit, some, uh, whitetail stuff. Um, when it comes to July, how boring, how exciting, what does July look like for you as far as your whitetail checklist and man, go from A to Z, whatever you feel like, you know, sharing when it comes to things you're getting done, not getting done. And then we'll Mm -hmm. go from there. Yeah. So I feel like I'm a little beforehand on, on most guys, but I am this year for sure. Uh, A lot of guys I see now are just now getting all their cameras and stuff out. I've probably actually already had my cameras out for at least two months. Okay. Uh, I got all my, all my cameras pretty much out since May. So if we're talking like A to Z where I start from, obviously like my, my season's going to start from the postseason, like a lot of guys, but I get my cameras out just a little bit earlier than that, around May. And I'll, I'll get them out around late April into May. I have all my areas kind of fine tuned, whether it's a new area, an old area, a lot of times, like this year, I went into some older areas and one new area and really fine-tuned the bedding, the rubs or scrapes and following those back, connecting the dots, uh, getting the terrain figured out and wind mapping and all that. And then uh, 
I'll probably get my first camera check actually around late June into now. I'm going to get my first camera check and uh, see what's in the area and see what's going on, see if there's any bucks that look like they're going to be upcomers or if there's going to be any shooters in the area. And then from there, probably my second camera check is going to be around that late August, early September. Try not to be super intrusive, maybe visit one, maybe two times over the summer if I have the areas already figured out. Now, if there are spots that I'm just not sure about, right. then I'll get back in and, and try to connect the dots on those on those spots. But um, as far as July, I'm, like this July, I'm probably going to hang back just a little bit. I kind of feel like I'm ahead of the game, which I keep telling my buddies that. I was like, dude, it's like I'm way ahead this year, so I'm probably going <laughs> to eat my tag. <laughs> That's usually just how it works. Yep. <laughs> I feel like I'm way ahead this year anyhow. Well, because I remember because uh, I remember I don't mean to cut you off, but I remember listening to you on a uh, on Bo's podcast, even because that was like around the postseason. And I remember you saying something similar where you've been in certain areas, you know, and obviously you killed your buck pretty early here in PA, like October, right? Yeah, October 7th, first yeah. week, first so, Friday. So, I mean, so I'm sure you obviously you traveled and you went to Maryland, you went to Ohio. And, and so it wasn't like, Hey, I'm just staying local and going scouting for the rest of the time. Um, but you had plenty of time to get out there in the woods. So like, cause I wrote this down just real quick while you were talking, when you say like how you're putting, you've had cameras out now and you go and do that camera check, maybe for, I don't know how the best way would be to ask this, but a spot that you've been to, you're intrigued, you know, you've seen a good deer, and you, you take that camera pull and you're kind of discouraged a little bit. Are you leaving it go just to make sure like to confirm later? Or are you like just straight up moving that camera thinking something else along those lines? Cause for me personally, right now, like you, cause you and I've talked and, and, and I've told you, I'm like, yeah, the one area where I hunt it, we just do not get bucks on camera on, on our side of the mountain back at home on Northeast PA. Now I've got a couple here locally that have cameras that I have out. I actually did a camera pull and I had some bucks. So I was like, all right, found some summer mm-hmm. bucks and see where, where I think they'll, they'll go come fall and everything like that. But you know, when you make that camera pull, are you discouraged at all? If it's not what you're really looking for or, you know, how, how does that go? No. So actually I think you need to have your expectations set mm-hmm. for your camera set. So the spots that I have these cameras in, um, probably 85% of my cameras are on scrapes. And they're not just on random scrapes. They're on specific scrapes that I've picked out in correlation with bedding or some kind of terrain feature where I know that that camera is going to be hot during season. So I'll check those and freshen those scrapes up. But if there's nothing on them in May, June, I'm not sweating it. That's just, hey, has anything popped up yet? is there going to be anything here July, August, or do I just need to let this camera soak and then periodically pop in and check that card? So I have my expectations set knowing that if there's nothing here in May, there's a very good chance that late August, September is when that deer is going to start showing up. Take the guesswork out of building your own arrows for this upcoming season by ordering a custom set of arrows from Exodus Outdoor Gear. 
They have developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on earth to build a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures. Just head over to Exodus's website and plug in your specifications in the arrow builder and have your custom set sent straight to your door. You have two arrows to choose from, one being the MMT arrow, which is a 246 diameter shaft, and the new NIS, which is a 204 diameter shaft arrow. Use code AU to save 15% off your tailored arrow order at exodusoutdoorgear.com. I love that, man. Going through the the camera thing here in July, and like you said, you're going to be a little bit more laid back because you've already done a little bit of, of, of your the groundwork already, right? So you're kind of a little bit more taking it easy. What else does it really entail for, for you for this month of July? The only thing I have left planned for July is uh, I might pull a couple cards yet. There's nothing that really strikes my interest to go pull just yet. But I know this, like this, uh, this week we're headed down to Ohio mm. uh, to my camp and I'm going to pull a couple cards down there and uh, take a peek at a couple spots that uh, I'm really looking forward to, looking forward to. Maryland, I, uh, I don't really have any big plans for Maryland. Uh, I was actually going to bow hunt Maryland this year, but I sat down and thought about it and uh the first season that opens for me is going to be Ohio. And I kind of told myself that I really don't want a great big Ohio buck to be the first deer I shoot at with my trad though. Come season, I kind of like to have something in my pocketbook first. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to go down to Maryland in September and, and uh, try to get, try to shoot a doe or a buck down there, try to get something under my belt. Maryland just intrigues me just because of one of the, proximity it's you know it's just like ohio and we've talked about this before but man we we are very lucky with the whitetail states that surround us like i know it's not the you know iowa kansas you know obviously those two states you have to draw but for us the that we don't have to pull a tag or draw put in points for to go down to maryland to even if you just want to gun hunt like you have plenty of opportunities to go down there ohio right next door you have new york I know Jersey's a little bit more uh, structurally more difficult because it's time frames as far as what tags you have and all those things. I'm not being too specific because I've, it just, it's a little bit too much for, for my brain, but we have a lot of great opportunities. So like you said, you could go out down in early September, try to hone in maybe some gear you're working on. Like you just said, you want to get a, a deer under your belt, hopefully to try to give yourself a, with the trad bow. I mean, what, what better way instead of waiting until, the October or whatever, right? Like it, it just allows you to, to get more dialed yep. in with your gear and more experience in the woods as well. Yeah, definitely. That's super convenient. Uh, Maryland's like 35 minutes from me. Mm. So I can hunt any given day. West Virginia is only like 45 minutes from me. Um, if I wanted to hunt some public, I did just pick up a 150 acre lease. Oh, in West Virginia this year, I've never even seen a step foot on it yet. So I gotta, I do have to make it down to there. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's a four hour, four hour deal. It's real Southern, uh, so, almost to Kentucky. So. Wow. Nice. Well, I know you were saying about being ahead of the curve and, and putting out cameras in May and everything like that. Do you get to, to all those other States that you plan on hunting this upcoming fall during the summer at all? The, you know, I know, cause I just know sometimes a lot of people, it's like a mixed bag. A lot of people still go out, head out. You know, you got moose out there every every Saturday still, no matter what. And I have other friends that are just, you know, with just don't go during the summer just because of whatever reason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am I am not a look at the map and walk in the dark 
and hope kind of guy. <laughs> I can't do it. I know guys, uh, they read the maps and they just walk in the dark and, and make a sit. And I, I just, I absolutely won't do it. I would rather waste a day and scout and know where I'm going first. That's good. So now kind of wrapping up July, what, what's uh, August kind of look like for you? Is there like, is that again, kind of fine tuning? What actually what you just said, like any mapping things, are you doing any more e-scouting? Um, a little bit more boots on the ground, a- anything along those lines as far as uh, of that goes for the month of August? Yeah, so August, uh, I'll definitely be pulling some cards. Uh, now, I run about 60 cameras Okay. between here and, and Ohio. So, obviously, I'm not pulling 60 cards every time. I, I have a lot of cameras that are just soakers, but the most important cameras that I have that are kind of surrounding those core areas where I think these shooting bucks are. I'm going to be poking in and out of there, uh, checking those, checking those cards. And then, like I said, I got to make it down to West Virginia to that lease and get some boots on the ground get a couple cameras up there. But that's, uh, that's kind of like a back pocket lease. Mm-hmm. Um, Pennsylvania and Ohio are my top two priorities. And then Maryland's just to kind of uh, get me underway. Uh, the tags are cheap, so it's not a big deal, and I can go down whenever I want to. There's the bow season, muzzleloader season, and gun season, so I can kind of bounce in and out of there whenever I want throughout the season if I have a tag filled. And then uh, me and my dad are going to uh, make a trip down to West Virginia at least probably once or twice and just get a feel for it for the first year and and uh, see how that goes. Hey, man, you could be have that horseshoe stuck up somewhere, and, and that West Virginia lease could be real nice. Could, could be fire, yeah. <laughs> I've seen some pictures. I've seen some pictures. So, because down in that su- way southern aspect, that's where the bow only uh, units are, I believe, too, right? Yeah, yeah. This is really close. I think it's like one or two counties over from from uh, the bow only. That's pretty cool, man. I hope I hope something just lights that fire where now these next couple of years will be chasing something. And I, I like that you said that PA is and Ohio are kind of like that one, two priority. I'm kind of fine tuning when it comes to August, like just a little bit of ma- mapping things, like when it comes to maybe access points and boots on the ground and kind of fine tuning those, those aspects of, uh, of the game plan, I guess you could call it, you know, when you look at all these different States, are, are you honing in on anything particular that, looks similar or are all three just completely different in their own and you are kind of you've been able to now have that edge of being able to feel comfortable like no matter the circumstance I feel pretty good of of when I once I get boots on the ground I could find a good spot yeah so PA Maryland West Virginia I feel like they're all like real mountainous Mm mm-hmm and really steep kind of stuff. PA, you know, it's uh, variable. You get you have your hill country and your uh, your farm country mix and stuff like that. Uh, and then Ohio is basically just hill country where I'm at. It's really steep, uh, rolling hills and stuff like that. But terrain, man, I I, I love terrain. I, I feel like uh, uh, just from trial and error over the last five six years that I've been using uh, scouting maps, I'm just I've come accustomed to it. I know what I'm looking for. I'm good at what I'm looking for, and I can pretty much pick out on the map, make a pin, and when I go there, it's probably going to be really close to what I thought it was going to be. But that's just from trial and error, man. I used to make, I used to have a lot of pins on my map I go to, and it was nothing what I thought it was. <laughs> 
I still do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it can it does still happen every once in a while, but sometimes it'll surprise you. I, I, I will agree though, man, I, from doing this podcast and just other people, friends and getting out there, getting the boots on the ground, it has just been kind of eye opening of how much we've progressed. I think as a whole community community over the last couple of years, just because one, it's, it's, it's fun to go out there and kind of get that fly that you've done something correct, right? Like you go out there, you, like you mm-hmm. said, like I'm, I'm looking at this map. I put a pin there. And if you're, like you said, you're usually in the right area. Maybe most of the time you're like, dang, this is exactly where I need to be and look at here. And then you could kind of fine tune it with a comb with a fine comb later down the line. But, or if not, you're like, okay, let's work our way this way and around this ridge point or whatever, get down into this hub, see where it's cross. Like you are usually then at least in the right area. And if it is a dud, at least, you know, you could kind of cross it off of, okay, well, if it's not here, but up, up on top, I did have sign where else than in their area are these deer coming from and kind of like work backwards in that. And for me that like locally, that's been a, a big, big thing for me. And just to kind of go through that and uh, that process and, and fine tune my whatever e-scouting to boots on the ground scouting, because even now I know with the vegetation up, you could still see some pretty good sign. And, you know, I'd highly encourage people to still get out there because yeah, it's another time of in the woods of getting to know that area and that spot that you might potentially hunt. Absolutely. hundred percent. So I now, don't think there is a bad time to yep. be in the woods to scout. Whoever spends the most time in the woods is going to be the most successful on public ground. I feel the guys that have the most time, I think are the most successful. Mm-hmm. I agree, man. And I think it goes to like, even like what we were saying in the very beginning of like, working on your shot process and, and, and actually shooting your bow and, and doing those different drills. Now, when it comes to August, when it, like we were just saying about, obviously your e-scouting checking, like that final camera check, you know, do you do anything to even in the past, like when you were using a compound bow, but now especially using a long bow, like I try to really put pressure on myself with like the moment of truth. Right. I mean, you've killed some great bucks, man. And, and shit last year, like I said, four and three different states, obviously with the bow and the rifle and, and the gun. Are you doing anything along those lines that's going to continue that streak of being ready for that moment of truth? Yeah. So as far as like the shot process and what I'm thinking, like what's going to be happening in the tree. Uh, one big thing with the Chad bow shooting instinctive is you got to find that spot. You stare at that spot. You're burning a hole through it. You know, there's there's no uh, aiming with the point of your air, nothing like that. It's just all instinctive. So you're burning that hole, but where the where it kind of gets me, and what I'm what I'm getting better at now is deer walks in. Deer doesn't have a red bullseye sitting behind his shoulder. Mm-hmm. So for me right now, it's different. You know, you stare at a little circle on a target. You have something to stare at and shoot. But for me, I need to get practice on 3D targets because then I can put myself in water. I don't have a ring to shoot at. So you're trying to burn a hole, try to pick that spot, like pick the, anything that's out of line. You know what I mean? It's almost like when a deer comes in, you're almost going to want to have to stare at a piece of hair yeah. when the deer comes in. Because I feel like if you're shooting at a deer as a whole, you're definitely not aiming as hard. 
So I need to find that spot. I like so that. that's, that's one thing that's, uh, that's really been on my mind lately is, uh, is how I'm going to, Work that through when I actually have a live deer in front of me. That's good, man. I like that. Now, when it comes to September, you're going after it. Maryland's pretty early. You know, how are you fine tuning any little things and making adjustments? Could you think of maybe even like last year going out there and getting your, you know, you're like, oh crap, I forgot this, or, you know, micro adjusting certain things, anything along those lines that September really holds true to you. So then that way, once, October rolls around for Ohio and, and for PA and potentially West Virginia. This is kind of to go like full steam ahead. Yeah. So September, um, I really don't think I ever forget anything. I'm pretty particular about that. I'll have my whole living room floor laid out <laughs> stuff before the season comes open. But, uh, it's, it's mainly going to be getting those first five to 10 sets in a tree where you always get to the tree, you're always fumbling with stuff until you get your system down. You know, I should have hung this stick first. I should have mm-hmm. hung my stick on this side of my saddle so I could have reached it better, uh, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Get, getting your setup fine-tuned. I like that. Any other tip that you could give someone that's hunting that early season just because any it could be as simple as, like, make sure you have your thermosel <laughs> because we have – Friends that hunt early Kentucky, which could be hot and miserable. You have Maryland. Uh, mm-hmm. I've hunted Delaware before early season. It is a lot different than middle of October. Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, having a thermostat is definitely not a bad idea. Mosquitoes do suck. <laughs> oh, but, terrible. Uh, a lot of guys are afraid of mornings. I feel that early okay. in the year. And I mean, the, the movement was a lot slower, obviously, but if he can get into the deer, I mean, I wouldn't be afraid to throw sits in September in the mornings. Cause I did have some buck encounters, uh, in September last year in the morning in Maryland. Uh, that was just, just on my end. I didn't follow through, but <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm not afraid if, especially if it's not an area that you're going to spend the entire season in, Yep, man, get in there and hunt it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just get in there and do your thing. Do you have any do you have any spots here in Pennsylvania that you could think of where you really are not cautious about certain things like you you might have a de- like a decent buck you're like you know what I might have a chance to hunt him earlier on I'm going to once I get like my right wind obviously your right conditions for, for that you're going to go after it. and then if it doesn't work and it might blow something up but it's not really the end of the world to you because you have other opportunities like that do you have any particular spots like that yeah yeah i got a couple spots that are just uh they're good spots but maybe they're not holding a giant deer Mm -hmm. um maybe if i didn't have a giant deer to chase and i was just kind of bouncing into my historical good spots that you know i'll just kind of bounce in there and give it a sit or two and if it doesn't pan out then i know i can pull out and, and move on yeah, I like that too. So when you locate your bucks, man, are you going, I know you mentioned earlier when it comes to your cameras, you're t- throwing them on scrapes. Is that, are are your scrape cameras mainly for inventory or are they for inventory slash I could hunt that area? How do, how do you attack those, those scrape areas? So usually I'm looking for, well, we could get on a rabbit hole. This one, dude, I, I love scrapes. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much 95, 95% of my hunting strategy. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, lo- I'm looking for a particular 
uh, scrape. Uh, a lot of scrapes, I'll just, I kind of look at it. I can tell you if it's going to be good or bad and then just move on. So a lot of stuff, I just leave it in the dust. But when I find a scrape that I'm looking for, it's usually in junction close to bedding and food. And then from there, you just dissect what kind of scrape is it? Is a, you know, your, your community scrape? Is it a, a scrape off of buck bedding or is it a scrape outside of doe bedding? Because obviously those, those two scrapes vary on the activity mm-hmm. as far as time of year. Um, as far as this year, uh, the buck that I'm hoping to catch up with in PA, uh, there's, there's two scrapes in this bottom and both scrapes are in junction with, with where that buck beds at off this, off of his bed. And, uh, I already, I already have him hitting that he's already in there still. So, uh, as far as the type of script I'm looking for, it doesn't even have to be on the ground. It doesn't have to be ginormous. Yep. I feel like a licking branch, a licking branch tells the whole story for me. If you have a big, uh, thick, broken licking branch, then the height too, if it's real high, and I just start to get me excited. They don't have to be huge. And then for full scat, I think if the ones that are completely full of big scat, man, those are the ones. I love that you said that with the scat and that like the thicker branches because lately the ones that I found really good. <laughs> They're, those are the two components that they, like you said, they're not massive, right? They're not insanely huge on the ground, but man, there's a lot of, a lot of scat in it and the branches are just completely destroyed, like broken off. Um, Mm -hmm. and that is where I've been hanging cameras and been lucky to, to find some good, some good deer. And I liked what you said about the doe bed, like there, there are different, I've noticed different times of the year with certain scrapes where, especially like I just mentioned earlier, back at home where I mainly hunt, it's a lot of doe bedding, but all those scrapes and all those mock scrapes, those doe just completely destroy. And it seems like once those bucks lose their velvet, they just start popping up like freaking like little groundhogs. It's crazy. I mean, that's why I said, like, right in in the years past, Chris, I would get so frustrated because you would send me a message, you know, not you, but like it just friends, right? You would send me a message. This friend would send me a message and they're like, look at my velvet butt. Like, and they're just giants. I'm like, man, I suck at locating summer deer, right? I could not find the, because I was mainly hunting back at home. And then it just kind of started to click for me a little bit. Okay. These, because then I would never have issues not seeing deer come fall. You know what I mean? And then things just started to click in where, okay, they're on a different summer, summer range. And then they come over and they're sent checking these scrapes and, um, like where these does are. But I love first thing, once I put it, maybe a new camera out in, in the spring or something along those lines, as soon as those does start hitting it, I'm like, yes, there we go. Because they're already laying their scent down. And then again, lo and behold, that end of August, boom, there's that velvet buck, September, October. And then, then I could really start fine tuning that game plan because last year, beginning of August, I set three, yeah, three cameras out, two of them on, on, on pretty good scrapes in a new area back at home, actually, that I, really never scouted, never really hunted really much. Uh, I did as a kid for turkey a lot, but not for whitetail. And mm-hmm. these two monster scrapes, Chris, 
I mean, right away I, I had a buck on one that day, but then it was the last week of August leading into September. These bucks were just like coming out of the woodwork. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is insane. And I legit had an opportunity. I felt like if the conditions were right that first week of the season, I, I could have made a game plan and I made one the second weekend. Uh, I shot a doe, but then I'm trying to think it went stale a little bit as far as daytime movement uh, for like the next couple days, but then it picked back up. Like it wasn't, there was no lull. There was just a couple days where I think either my scent got around or a little bit or anything along those lines. But man, like you said, I'm okay with finding some scrapes around doe bedding because at some point Mm -hmm. those bucks are going to be coming. Yep. I think finding, uh, if you could find the scrapes close to the actual buck bedding, those are the ones that you can kill them on early season. Because nine chances out of 10, they're probably going to get up out of their bed and they're probably going to get checked out first before they do anything. Now, if you are planning on hunting that, say, earlier season, how, I mean, obviously the access is going to be really important, but what is your strategy as far as like flirting with the wind, man? Because I know you, you do, like, I've come to learn. You, you can't have all that fa- in your favor as a hunter. You just can't because mm-hmm. especially to where, where, where we are hunting, <clears throat> the wind is always constantly changing. Right. But at the same time, it, it, that buck will more likely move when the wind is in his favor <laughs> in, in a sense. And, and you have to put yourself in that right yep. position. So kind of maybe walk us through a scenario that you, you've had to do or, that you would do in that situation where you found a good scrape. It's really close to buck bedding. It's earlier in the year. Basically the wind is eh, in your favor, in his favor. And that's what you like. So I guess, how would you approach that without knowing that you're obviously you're not going to know, but how would you go about that approach to hopefully not spook him out of there and get that opportunity to hunt him? Actually, I'll just, I'll basically just tell you what I've been doing for this deer that I'm going to hunt this year. Cause I've already been through all of these, all of these scenarios. <laughs> so this deer, uh, let's just say you got, um, you got a ridge running north and south side by side. And then in the middle, you have like a micro point that runs north and south. So this buck's bed is on this micro point. And it's all buck laurel, and it's got some small spruce at the bottom, and it just runs into a hollow. There's a creek that lies and meets and mm-hmm. runs down the main hollow. <clears throat> so this uh, there's a scrape at the bottom right where these two uh, creeks meet together. So I'd, I'd just be a be thermal. It's just thermal scrape, a little hub down there. And actually what's happening is he's betting on the west side of this little micro point. And I couldn't figure out why he picked the west side. It took me probably like three or four trips in there, wind mapping, to figure this out. I had to have a stiff enough west wind to figure it out. So the west wind's coming over top the east side that he's facing and looking at. But when it hits the west side that he's laying on, it's doing this. Yep. You got that, that wind tunnel, that vacuum. So he's right on that line. If you walk 10 feet above or 10 feet below, it's a different wind. It's right where the wind comes over the top but he's laying right where it sucks down and it's starting to come back down the hill too. So when I'm coming into this spot in the bottom of the hunt, this scrape, 
I can come in on the low side and my wind's not blowing to them and I'm good down in that hub. But what's, what's going to save me is that uh, I'm going to use that creek for access. And I'm going to come right up the creek. I already kind of have a trail snipped where I can get in. I've already done all of this. I've got my tree pick cameras up. Scrapes already freshened up. I got my access on my Olmex map. Um, I'm sneaking up this creek bed, and I, I know the tree that I can get into because the last time I was just in there, I think two weeks ago, I went in, and I actually snuck like I was hunting. I snuck into the spot like I was hunting, so I knew where I would be, what sounds I would make. I was sniffing my way. I snuck to this tree. I'm like, all right, I know I can get to this tree. I took probably five steps without sneaking. Deer snorted. So that I know I could sneak to that tree. Yep. Because as soon as I started to walk normal again, bam, they had me. I mean, whatever was there yep. picked me off. But that, that creek is going to save me because it's, it's pulling my thermals back down into the hill. It's going so, right. And then that's going to definitely going, be yeah. An, yeah, an evening sit. So basically, I can even get in there and maybe just hang out from that tree, you know, 150 yards. And then as soon as you get to that last hour and a half or so when things are calming down, and nothing's swirling near as bad, and your thermals are starting to drop, and I sneak right up that creek and get in that tree, and everything should be coming downhill. Wind mapping that. You're not going to be able to do that unless you're out there. Like you just said earlier, no no, no time. Yeah, you got to get out there. I think that is such a valuable story, and, and, and I really appreciate you giving that example just because it's, you've won, you've already done it, but how important it is I even think that, like you said, to, to friggin' take milkweed with you or some type of form of, of like scouting now, even just and, and, and run through that. Like you just ran through what we were talking about. As far as the shot process goes, you actually have done that two weeks ago in the month of June, where you're sneaking into a spot where you're actually going to have a lot more greenery right now, probably brushing, running up on things. Yeah. You don't have the crazy crunch of the leaves going in right now, but you found, okay, if I get to this Creek bottom, you're good to go. Cause that Creek bottom is going to be what it is like now is what potentially be early October as well. Yeah. It's mainly Laurel. So it's going to be about the same. Mm -hmm. Man, that's so friggin' awesome. I love that. You can't, you can't beat boots on the ground, man. There's just nothing that replaces it. You can stare at your map all you want to, and you can – the map has its place, absolutely. I love. I live on my Onyx map, dude. Mm-hmm. I, I live on that thing 24-7. My, my girl gets mad at me for staring at my phone so much. <laughs> but, but nothing beats boots on the ground because there is a lot of times that I look at a map and I'm like, man, that looks awesome. Then you get in there, and it could be good, but it's just not exactly what you thought it was going to look like. So it's just – it differs so much. Mm-hmm. Are you shooting to that scrape or are you cutting that in between where that buck's wanting to get to before he wants to maybe try to get more downwind J hook or something along those lines? So in that particular situation, uh, in that spot, I'm going to be pretty much right over the scrape on the low side, okay. uh, in a spot where I don't have to walk anywhere near the trail he's coming in on. I'm going to be on the downwind side. And uh, it being a tree that I could sneak into from that creek. So early season, I would say from like uh, late September into maybe um, the later part of October, close to like that Halloween mark, I'm probably going to set up right over the scrape. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once that November time comes uh, and, you're, and your bigger mature deer are starting to cruise, then I'm going to start backing off of that and getting that like, I'm still trying to find that perfect yardage. 
I might actually flirt around with that and run some cameras, like maybe stack them yep. on a really good scrape, but I want to stack them like 50 yards, 75 yards, 150 yards. And I want to see how far these deer are, are scent checking these scrapes downwind. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really, uh, I'd like to get some data on that and start writing that down, stack these cameras up and, and see if there's a correlation to how far these deer are actually scent checking these downwind. Dude, you're on to something there. No doubt about it. You know, if you once you have that opportunity to get some extra cameras yeah, out, yeah. I think that's fucking huge. I think that could be a really good set of information for the to help you as as a hunter and and uh, go from there with it. Now, scrapes because like you, I, I friggin' love them. Like I, I live, breathe, and eat these things, and I love watching other people's techniques, other people's you know thought processes on them. When you go to Maryland, when you go to Ohio, are are they part of your hunting strategy? Uh, yeah, they can be. Mm-hmm. So Maryland, there wasn't, it wasn't so much last year. Uh, I definitely shot that buck over a feed tree. Yeah. Uh, the acorns were really big, uh, in that situation. Uh, that clear cut, uh, maybe had like 10, 15 white oaks in it from end to end. And I had to make you know, two or three, uh, scouting trips in there to find what tree was dropping first. But as soon as I found the first really big tree that was dropping, man, that's where all the deer were at. How about Ohio? What's that like for you? Uh, it was a little bit different last year. Yeah. So the, my, the first year, the first year I went down, dude, I couldn't even, I couldn't even count how many scrapes I found. It was unreal. <laughs> and that was like my first year. This is, this is like my third year ago in Ohio. So two years ago when I went down, I just couldn't believe the sign that I seen. And, um, I didn't did shoot my, I shot my buck on a, a micro bench that had a good scrape on it my mm. first year. And then last year, I feel like I didn't see near as much uh, buck sign. But late season, I did end up finding uh, two or three really good scrapes. And one, found one scrape that was ginormous. This this entire beech tree, the entire diameter of it was just completely tore. So I I have a camera over that right now soaking. If you're in the market for finding a new trail camera, I highly encourage you to look no further than Exodus. Exodus has two main options to choose from as far as cameras go, a budget-friendly option that doesn't compromise quality. The Exodus Rival is the camera for you. Simplicity meets functionality in this easy-to-use, feature-rich cell camera. The Rival offers crystal clear, photo quality, easy setup and use with complete remote management through the app anywhere in the world. Two already are set up in Northeastern PA for me, and they're working flawlessly. And if you're looking for an all-encompassing cell camera, seriously, look no further than the Render. It's their flagship camera. It stood the test of time for thousands of hunters across the country. I have one deployed here locally where I live and another one I'm saving for back in Northeastern PA. Again, zero issues. And I'll tell you what, Exodus stands by their five-year warranty for accidents or for theft top of the line customer service so see for yourself why so many made the switch to exodus and experience the exodus difference use code au to get 15 percent off your first camera today i have one like that here where same thing the entire beach tree around 360 is just completely just shredded on yep. the ground bitten off i had a buck still holding when i put that camera up back in march i think like a, a buck mm-hmm. was still holding both yeah. sides of his antlers and he was just destroying that, that beech tree. I was like, wow. A lot of times I get deer still holding up in April and they're still hitting scrapes. Yep. I've had bucks in, in April, both sides still hitting. 
Yeah, I, it was funny because like, you know, when people say like, what warrants you to throw out a camera? Like I've asked that question to a bunch of different hunters, like on that scrape, like you said, you're, you're walking by a certain amount of scrapes and you're like, next one, next one, right? Until you find that one, you just know. Yep. And I saw that. And I, yeah, that's 360 degrees. Let me look at the map a little bit. Where did I just come from that I liked and I liked where it led me down into? And then I'm looking around the surrounding area and I ended up walking that other side as well. And I a pretty good sign. And I just was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going back down here when I head back to throw up a camera there because it just, it just felt like it needed it. And again, immediately like that night I had some dough like crossing through a little dough hit, hit that scrape. And then the next day is when that buck came and hit that. And I was like, what the heck? Like, that's yeah. crazy. March like this. I mean, it was a younger deer. It wasn't like some giant or anything like that, but it was, he still had both sides hitting that scrape and it was pretty cool to, to watch. I think that's a lot of guys' issues too. Um, they, they just picked the wrong scrape to hunt. You yeah. know, I, I, th- I think a lot of guys just walk in the woods and they, they just see a spot that they like visually. They're like, oh, this looks good. Oh, hey, there's a scrape. Man, I should hunt here. Right. Man, uh, you wouldn't believe how many scrapes I walk up to. I'm like, nah, next. Like, take it. Dude, this right here, this notebook, trash with notes. If I could give one tip to guys for anything, for life, for hunting, for anything, that notebook is by my side every single day of my life. It is in my car. It's in my lunchbox at work. If I'm at work and listen to a podcast, I hear something I like. Mm-hmm. I can't, I, like, I can't hear something that I like. And then I'm like, I'll write that down, like, in an hour. You know what I mean? I can't do it. Nope. I'll, I'll be welding at work. I stop exactly what I'm doing. If I hear something I like, I'm writing it down. Yeah. Make a checklist, man. Like, I, I have this for scrapes, too. Like I have, I have a checklist. If I walk up to a scrape, it's in my head, but I have, a, I have a book that I keep in my pack too for hunting. I'm like looking down the list. Like, does it have the licking branch? Does it have the height? Is there a big track in the scrape? What's the scat like? Is there a bunch of scat in it? How big is the diameter of the scrape? How deep is it? You know I mean? I have mm-hmm. all those things. That is an awesome tool. Just being able to just stop and remember to write all this stuff down huge i'm the same way i could i could be out working out in the garage when i'm listening to a podcast i have to have my notebook with me or i have to have my notes up that i then transfer from my from my phone into my notebook because like you if i don't do it then and there i I, i'm it's it's long gone even though it might be the best tip ever it's long gone because i've just i didn't do it and write it down absolutely i've done it way too many times i'll hear something i'll hear something i like i'm like man i need to write that down Yep. And I'll just be well in the way of work. And then 20 minutes later, I'm like, what was I thinking about? Like, you just can't, yeah. it just, it's just like, it's just gone. It's just gone. <laughs> here's, here's another question for you that I I've been trying to implement into my scrape strategy is if I find like a pretty good one or like a cluster of mm-hmm. scrapes where I think like, you know, this I'm on to something, but it's still something's missing in, in a sense, whether it's the terrain features where maybe I, I don't find the bedding or where's the food. And if it, say if it has like the food or, or, or along those lines and it has a, a, a scrape there, I'll, I'll throw up another scrape like nearby. Have you mm-hmm. messed around with throwing up some mock scrapes as well? Like near some of these pretty decent, you know, other scrapes to really make it like a little scrape hub, if that makes sense. So you want to run this podcast past an hour because you're going to hit a rabbit hole. That's all right, man. I'm, I, as long as you had the time, I got the time, man. Dude, I got, I got all day. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, dude, I, I lay a lot of mock scrapes. Um, I have laid a lot of mock scrapes, but I think lately what I do is I try to uh, I try to sweeten the pot on the really good ones that I find mm-hmm. because I, th- that scrape has already been laid by the deer. So that, that scrape is where a deer wants to be. So once you find those really, really good ones, you know there's a pile of deer that just use that spot. Um, but as far as a mock scrape, I think an example of where I would use a mock scrape is maybe if I am getting that deer on that scrape on camera, maybe just a little bit too late in the evening, maybe I can push in just another 50, 60 yards to cut that time down. And if I can find a spot, lay a mock scrape, like have something from where he's, you know, if he's coming from his bed to the scrape and you know that, and there's no feet in between, that's going to stop him. Maybe you can, ease in another 50, 60 yards to cut that time down, lay a mock straight and set yourself up to where when he comes in, you know, he's going to put his face in it and he has a place to stop where you can get that shot. Yeah. Dude, I love that's the example you gave because I'm going to make my dad listen to this because I know he, you know, he obviously has been listening to me more so because of wonderful in, in individuals like yourself that come on and, and share knowledge. But there's the one big deer that we're, we've been chasing the last couple of years and uh, we, we've never gotten a velvet photo of them. We know potentially up until February. Yeah. It was towards the end of February that he still had on his one side and he's extremely recognizable. Um, had him on. And I think early on in spring, my dad, he, this, he had a big deer. He had, and you could tell it was a buck because he, of when he, lost his antlers and he came from the same damn way and he just had the same posture. You could see he lost a little bit of weight because of the end of the year, basically, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it was him. But I told him, I was like, listen, we need to, I've, I've written down his, like the wind direction, like all his, all the times that we've either seen him physically or on trail cameras. And I told him, on the one scrape, we need to get in there like 60, 70 yards, create either another mock scrape or put another camera to verify like that's that travel route. And if we could get him mm-hmm. to hit that scrape before the other scrape in the evening, I'm like, we have potentially to kill this deer. And he's like, yeah, I know we, we need to do that. And I'm like, well, let's do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like one of those is things. He just shown, is he just showing up a certain time of year? Yeah. So he... Like, date he shows up on he comes towards that like october 19th on right right so uh definitely i feel like those deer make that first big mistake between like the 14th and like the 22nd just yep. for like a window i guess a, a longer window if i was going to pick a shorter window it would probably be like that that 16th to 20th yep but uh i wouldn't think he would be super far away if he's coming that early in October, I was thinking maybe that deer was showing up later in October. And I was going to tell you like, well, you need to figure out, uh, it sounds like a doe group that comes into estrus early yeah. and you need to find that doe group. That's funny. You said about that, that you still told that story about your dad and I buck. that reminds me a lot about my dad. I'm like, I'm the same way with him. As long as I can remember hunting with my dad, he grew up hunting with his rifle. You know what I mean? Yep. As yep. a kid, I guess what they did, they rifle hunted and back in like the, late eighties and early nineties, he was telling me stories. There's so many deer in a deer drive. He had to hide behind the trees because they come on both sides of you. Yeah. And so he, he's like never missed a deer that I can even remember with, yeah. a, with a gun. 
and he he killed this like hundred and forty two inch nine point in wow. 2014. Yeah, and it was just me and him. I was just making a one man drive to him, just zigzagging his bench system, and it's the same thing. You always hear that first shot, and it's like, well, you know, he's probably dead. Whatever he shot, so I hear boom, boom, <laughs> boom. I'm like. <laughs> It's gotta be something good, <laughs> but yeah, he shot that deer three, three times yeah. in like a triangle like this yep. running. And I'm like, I could never, no. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. No. Yeah. That dude, he shot. That was 142 inch nine point weighed like 230 pounds. That was a big deer. Ooh, that is a toad dude. It's so funny how similar stories and, and things like you're, it's so relatable, right. In, in certain situations and you know, super you, relatable. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking that. So I got, I got one more funny story for you. And then I actually have two questions for you. Yeah, dude. So you said about, uh, your dad shooting that live that it was hanging. Mm-hmm. So we, we were making a drive uh, a couple of years. I can't remember what year it was a couple of years ago. We had this giant six point. I mean like an 18 inch wide. Oh. It was G2 it was probably like, I don't know, eight to 10 inches long. It was one of those big giant sixes. Yep. And it, when you're driving the steep of the mountain down and it kind of like pinches at the bottom and we had a couple guys in the bottom, but there's just one bowl that sits uh, right below this bench and it was wet cause it had just rained the day before. And I would like soft whistle, but I just had an, I just had a feeling cause that, that bowl on the inside of the bank is covered in green briars. Yep. So I'm like, I'm going to quit whistling a hundred yards from this bowl. So I sneak down to the edge of this bowl. I look down in, and it's so thick you can't see, but it's real quiet. And I think if a big buck hears you coming, he knows exactly where you're coming from. A lot of times they won't move and there's deer drives. But what I what I like to do is I'll whistle, but I'll cut my hand two different ways. That way it shoots it and they kind of, they get nervous. Yep. So I go to this bowl, I go, <laughs> boy, he just blew out of those green briars. Just darting up this clear cut. It's got all those little maple trees like this big around that are yep. like this far apart from each other. Yep. And dude, I, I had, um, a family gun, an old, um, Savage model 99, 300 Savage. That was my great grandfather's. And I borrowed it off my uncle. I just emptied that thing, man. But every time I pulled the trigger, I swear to God, I had the crosshairs on his front shoulder yep. and I just nothing. I emptied the gun. I'm looking for shells. I dropped my shells somewhere in the drive and the deer standing at a hundred yards broadside looking back at me after I just emptied the gun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I'm like, I had no shells to even use. I'm just looking at them. I'm like, so that's how this played out. <laughs> yep. Yep. You won today, big fella. You won today. See, oh. yeah, you can see these little tre- maple trees bent over, all shot over the whole way. <laughs> yep. We were talking about scrapes. We got a little off the scrape thing. Yeah. There's just two things with the scrapes. Yep. So I actually, I got this on camera. I've heard this from buddies mm-hmm. and I've asked other guys this question and I've never had a solid answer. Okay. Why do bucks, why do bucks bed in scrapes? My, have you ever seen bed in a scrape? I, I actually have my educational guess. Yeah my educational guess would be to like kind of like what you see, like with dogs, you know what I mean? Like how they just take, like they'll, they want to be that alpha. I mean, I could be completely wrong. My, my, my guess would be, I'm thinking it's, it's like an alpha thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I asked that question because I think it would make sense during the rut. Yeah. 
but I get I get small bucks bedding them scrapes in the summertime. Yeah. That is, that's I really a, have a picture on my phone from two weeks ago of a small velvet buck just laying in a scrape, just hanging out. I'll send it to you. It's no crazy. way. That is crazy. I'm, I'm actually writing that down. I'm hoping to have a Mississippi <laughs> University uh, uh, professor, professor on and talk about some whitetail stuff and... I'll ask him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll ask him to see if he knows. And I've I've heard of uh, big bucks betting really close to scrapes where they can visually see mm-hmm. in the rut. That way, they don't have to do anything. Like if a doe comes in, he can just go right to her. Yeah. But I was just I, I've asked that question to a couple of, of of close buddies that are, are also good whitetail hunters, and they they all have a a, a theory, you know what I mean? But I don't think anybody has a, an actual answer. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Just random. It is. I don't know. Yeah, I, man. I I wonder if it is like, like you said, even if it is like a younger deer, like just thinking he's king shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I'm just trying yeah, to. Yeah, I don't know. Because like, and the scrape, and the scrape that I uh, seen this buck bed in, it's one of those big ones, full scat. Buck yeah. spent a lot of time there. Yep. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I had something else to do with it or not. Because I had a, I have a buddy that that shot a buck in Ohio. Uh, two seasons ago, and they said that that's what that deer was doing. He was basically pretty much bedded in that scrape. He got up from that bed around that scrape, and and that, that's how he killed that buck. <clears throat> yeah. So, do you use uh, what what type of scent are you using for your mock scrapes? I'm so, curious. So I was using um, uh, some buck fever, the forehead gland mm-hmm. stuff. I tried some pre orbital stuff. In the dirt, <laughs> what's been funny is this summer, in the dirt, I've, I've just been personally peeing in them. And, man, it's so funny just seeing how many deer. You're are, than I am. Oh, man. <laughs> Dude, these deer are like. I could never. Oh, man, these deer are coming right to it. And then they're like, they're hmm. nose down into it. And then they're biting. On, like, I have, I have a photo of a doe just like completely just gnawing on this the tree because I, I had like two cameras uh one i set a mock scrape on that one and then i found a, a pretty good scrape here locally and i did hang a camera because i wanted to just see if if the deer are using both like if i could get the same deer on both cameras because the one that i've set the mock scrape on i'd be able to have a easier quote unquote easier access route that i think i'd be able to sneak in in there and, and hunt and kind of hunt between the two mm-hmm. um hammering it and i actually just had my first buck come on through through there um but usually i just use some buck fever forehead gland in the ground stuff i put some of the i'll even now even i'll even put some of like the the rut stuff in just because that way it could lay something down like along those lines and i'll put two different ones that way it's not just one scent basically if that makes sense how about you so there's a reason i asked that question I know a lot of guys like the forehead gland thing. Absolutely. Yep. Um, buck fever. I, I've had good luck with that stuff. Yep. Um, nothing. This is not against buck fever dog. Cause I love the, the, the product itself. The, the only problem I have with buck fever is I, I think everybody else has this problem. The bottles are trash. Oh, terrible. Tell me that yeah, the bottles gun. Yeah. As soon as I buy buck fever, uh, what I do is I go to Walmart and they have like that section, like for your travel stuff where they have like the 97 cent bottles and things like that. 
like the wee little tiny hairspray bottles. Yep. I buy those and dump my buck fever in them. Yep. Same. And they spray the branches like that. And then uh, I've had really good luck with the code blue wrap rub gel. Okay. okay. But it's got like a brush, a brush underneath of the cap and I just mm. brush it on. I like that. I have really good luck with that too. Um, but I actually quit using um, ground scent. So this, this is where I'm at with that uh, this year. I feel like a lot of times I've bought the scent off the counter, put it in a scrape, and you just, it doesn't tell you what's in the bottle. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exactly specify what's in the bottle. Like supplements. And <laughs> For real, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. the ingredients, right? Yep. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It, it kind of like weirds me out, and then I started doing something different that's just worked a lot better. And also, well, back to that, I feel like, putting the wrong type of scent in the ground deters does away from it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, I mean, your main source of, uh, let's just say scent, you know, the doe walks in, if the doe walks in, she's the first one to put her face in it and pee in it. I've, I've, that's the starter right there. Boom. I feel like the start to any good scrape is just to have a doe come in and put her mm-hmm. face in it and pee in it. And then her gold, Agreed. you know what I mean? From there, it's going to take, it's going to take off. Yep. <clears throat> so I've actually, been putting deer shit in my scrapes okay so i did this uh last season uh postseason it was just a random idea i made this uh mock scrape and there was just a random big pile of fresh buck shit Boom. i'm like man i'm gonna put that in a scrape yep all this all the all the good scrapes that i find have big scattered sure, them, right exactly i put that buck shit in that scrape dude that camera blew up <sighs> like small box those they were just tearing it up. And I, you know, deer shit's deer shit. Yep. But I feel like it's just that one little thing that makes adds to make it more real. You yep. know? Makes it more natural. So now, now what I'm doing, and I actually got a little bit of uh, feedback on this. I've been doing this all summer with my cameras over my scrapes. Uh, dude, I, my girl laughs at me, makes fun of me. I carry a, uh, like a little lunch baggie in my pocket all the time. And yep. if I know that I'm going to make a scrape and I see deer shit, I'm bagging it up and yep. I'm taking it with me. <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna but, uh, I'm gonna test it out for you. I'll friggin' do that too. Yeah, dude, I just did this uh, for that buck that I'm hunting. There's a scrape really close to his bed up on the top too. It, it's an okay scrape, but it's just an intersection where all the deer kind of congregate. I think before they actually lay down, mm-hmm. and I have a cell camera in there, so I don't have to go in and bother with it. But a couple of weeks, I went in there just to trim some branches and freshen the scrape. So I added an oak branch put forehead gland on it, opened up the dirt, and then I just dumped deer shit in it. Nothing else. Five hours later, a doe walks in, hits a liquor branch, and she pisses in it. That's last week. Yep. But I feel like, I was like, dude, that might be the ticket. You know, that that doe come in, she just started that right there. Yep. But maybe, you know. Yep. Grounds open up, there's deer shit in it, and there's fresh scent in the branch. She starts it. Dude. Now, I feel like if maybe I went in there and dumped too aggressive of buck piss in that scrape, she might have been like, eh, I'm going to walk past this. Yep. Right there might have been your missed opportunity. Yep. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. Last year when I met with some friends, we forgot stuff. And so all I was doing was just kicking up the dirt, 
right? Like just getting it yep. as, as, as earthy smelling as possible. I did have some forehead gland stuff, but I didn't have anything to put in the dirt. And same thing. Like as soon as that first dough came, it was just dough, dough, dough. And then it was like, boom, a buck showed up and then it was dough, 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 boom, a buck. But every time I have a dough hit those grapes, I'm like, yes, like I'm more fired up to see that happen yep. early on than I am anything because you know, then later down the line, when you are in season, those bucks are going to for sure. Even if it's not your buck that you want to shoot, you're going to get a buck on mm -hmm. the to hit that, and then it just kind of snowballs. Like Troy Ponger says, then they just take it over, right? Like that's that's a, to, absolutely to, that's what you want. Yep. I like that, man. Dude, one of my one of my biggest pet peeves is watching people open scrapes with their boots. Oh, uh, drives I don't me know nuts. If you do that? Nope. I, <laughs> uh, I don't know if they still. I think it's still selling. They have like a scrape maker tool. It's got. Like, deer hoof on one mm. end and it's got the claw on the other i like that. i carry that with me and i don't i don't actually make the deer hoof print with that tool because that tool is like five inches wide i'm like yeah that doesn't really look that real yeah <laughs> deer might come in and see that and be like oh jesus christ yeah yeah everyone do i think visual i think yep. visual is a big thing too i think so um, lately this year i've been i've been making mock rubs all around my scrapes too because uh, you know the deer can see that rug from a lot further away than what they can scrape yep so I'll take my handsaw and I'll, I'll scratch up the trees and put forehead gland on those too. There I got a go. picture of a buck in Ohio in like uh, March or April. Yep. He just had velvet like this pick him off his head. He was still rubbing his head on trees. Make it as authentic as you can, man. And that's going to put you in the ball game. And, and I like and, to take my uh, little clippers too. And like mm, the end of the branches snip them. I think a lot of, a lot of this is like to save, uh, fault pictures on my camera too if there's a lot of green leaves I'll, a lot of times i'll clip all the green leaves off and just leave the single branch mm -hmm. but i'll take it and i'll twist it and break it so it hangs down just like a buck would do in the fall and i'll break all those off and leave them hanging down and then if i can a lot of times i'll add a, a grapevine and i have really good luck with the grapevines on my mock scrapes yep and if i dude if i could get those branches broken off at like head height for me which is like six foot a grapevine and then if there's any trees that are like a good diameter around and I rub those up just like a, a mock rub and put forehead gland on, it, it makes a good, a good visual for yeah. the buck. You know I mean? They're going to see that from a long way away. And he's almost going to be so intrigued that he can't walk by it. Like he's yeah. got to go over yeah. it and, and investigate it. You know what I mean? Oh man, that fires me up. Have you had any experience with using the, like the hemp ropes at all? Uh, I tried ropes one year, probably like, 2019-ish, and I just, I don't, I don't mess with it. Yeah, I haven't. I, I made my work, I think, I made my work out west. I think, like, Don Higgins and those guys have good luck with those, like, out in Illinois and Iowa, but here, I just don't think it works. Yeah. It, it might, like, on private ground where you have more comfortable deer, but out in the public ground, I'm not hanging a rope. <laughs> to be a more efficient hunter for this upcoming year, what are you doing, and maybe what could someone else do? preparing anything along those lines that you think mm -hmm. you want to do to become a more efficient <clears throat> hunter. Oh man. I feel like you could, you could answer this question a million ways. Yep. I'm probably going to uh, go back to just the boots on the ground. Uh, gist of it. So I feel like years ago that I used to put too much thought and um, I'll say I used to put too much time and thought into my actual hunting gear mm -hmm. rather than being in the woods 
You know what I mean? So yep. my bow was a hundred percent head to toe ready to go. And I had everything top of the line, but my knowledge wasn't on par with what I needed to know in the timber. So I feel like the boots on the ground, the scouting, understanding uh, the ground that you're hunting, knowing what the deer are doing and why they're doing it is so much more powerful than having the latest, greatest gear. I love that. So I think just being a better uh, uh, outdoorsman in general, you know, get out in the woods. Uh, it, it costs nothing to make a scrape if you really want to. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, if people are worried about money, you get out and make scrapes for free. Uh, to, to win map your spots, if, if you don't have milkweed around, uh, cotton balls. Dude, I used to use cotton balls. You just spray them real light. They'll do the same thing. They're a little heavier, but they'll do the same thing. Just get out and just and just learn the grounds you're hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, it's it's a lot more powerful to just understand um, exactly what the deer are doing and, and how to hunt the area than it is to have top-line gear. Dude, amen, dude. That was awesome. I love that answer. Um, dude, you have PA, Ohio, Maryland, potentially West Virginia. Anywhere else that that's going to mm-hmm. – some deer better be uh, hiding under a rock f- from you for this upcoming year. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I was actually planning on uh, doing a random, maybe an Arkansas bow hunt, but I think, uh, I think four States might be enough for one year, <laughs> especially I got, uh, I got a big one here in PA that, uh, that I'm going to be chasing. And I was actually talking to my buddies about that too. I got a, a buck that's going to be potential uh, Boone and Crockett in Ohio. But I got a buck that's like going to be probably 150 here. I'm like, well, to be honest, I was like, I want to shoot a Boone or Crockett really, really bad. I said, yeah. but it's almost more rare to see a 150 in PA than it is to see a 170 in Ohio. <laughs> so it's going to be a shakeup. I'll be spending a lot of time here at home. No, dude, that's awesome. That that's you know all things that we all dream of. And man, I wish you nothing but the the best of of luck. And I hope you just. I can't wait till I get a message and you're like, look what happened. Chris, where can people find you, follow along, what you got going on? Again, I I, I said it on the Instagram post, but you know, we didn't really touch upon it here. Fitness is a big thing of, of you uh, in your life and for you in your life. And yep. uh, same here, being a health and phys ed teacher and and uh, we're, we're all preparing for uh, to live that. And I think it's cool right now. A lot of people are getting into it, but you know, it, it's a, it's a, living a, a healthy life for, for one yourself to, to, to live long, hopefully, but then also for, for our family and friends and everything like that. Uh, it's cool to see that. So you're really into fitness. You're awesome. Uh, buck hunter, man. And, and trying this endeavor with the Trabo. I'm, I'm really excited to continue to follow along. So where can people do the same and uh, see what you're about? Yeah. So it's basically just my Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is unleash the least. Um, I post stuff on my Facebook, but I really don't use Facebook anymore. It's kind of just for family. So if you want to tag along on, on what I'm doing, uh, and everything's on Instagram, I, I post stories, uh, pretty much if I'm doing anything outside and I try to post as much as I can. So if you want to see what's going on, that's, that's where you can find me. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm looking forward to to another one, dude. Absolutely, dude. Let's do it. hundred percent. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in this week. Enjoy this one. Please go follow Chris because I'm telling you, awesome, dude. I've just even having this conversation, I've learned a lot, and I hope you did as well. So we'll see you next week in Antler Up.